Welcome back to SMSF Mates Podcast. Uh, this week we've had quite a lot of interest on an article we put together um, late last year about is it worth paying for a financial advisor? And so uh, we thought we would follow it up with a uh, refresh. A refresh. Um, and we've had a heap of questions that um, our listeners have uh, emailed us. Um, and so we thought we'd just go through that. So I'm here with um, Ashwin and hi, Tim. Hi guys. G'day. That's their voices. And I'm Gareth. So if you are new to the SMSF Mate podcast, uh, please check out our socials and, our, of course, our website, which has tons of content on it, all to do with self-managed super funds, uh, insurance, investments, tax. It's all free. Uh, it's all good, useful information. Check it out, smsfmate.com.au. Yeah, we're trying to build a community of people interested in uh, self-managed super funds and how to navigate through them. Um, so we'd be interested in you guys reviewing the website and even leaving feedback and comments um, on how we can make it better. And of course, if you're someone that has something useful to contribute, please get in touch. We have lots of guests on the podcast and people writing content for us. Uh, so if you've got something that you'd like to share, please get in touch. Look forward to you joining the mateship. Welcome to SMSF, mate. Our general advice warning. We're required to warn you that any advice has been prepared without taking into account your objectives, financial situations or needs. And because of that, you should, before acting on any advice, consider the appropriateness of the advice having regard to your own objectives, financial services and needs. Where the advice relates to the acquisition or possible acquisition of a particular financial product, you should obtain a product disclosure statement relating to that product and consider the PDS before making any decision about whether to acquire the product. One of the common questions that comes up uh, and one question that we were asked on the back of this article and podcast we did late last year was... Uh, how do you choose a financial advisor? Like what are the steps that you take to, to get the, the best result? Who wants to go first? Oh, I, I think you can go from your experience. Yeah, okay. Well, um, when I was 16 or something like that, um, I did some work experience and um, I was uh, lucky enough to be put into a, um, a bank branch um, of which they had an internal financial advisor as part of the service and the way it used to work, at least when I, what I experienced there, uh, was that, you know, you walk into the bank and you deposit some money and the teller says, oh, hey, do you need a hand with your financial planning? Uh, we've got a free consult uh, a person sitting in our, um, <clears throat> in our branch and, you know, you can have a meeting with them. So, you know, most banks, I believe, still offer that service. Um, uh, I think that may have changed a bit. Has it? Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. Um, but but th there is still know, a lot of people may be familiar with thinking that they have to go to the bank yeah. and they and they can only use that person, much like a finance broker. They can, you know, if they want to get a loan, they don't have to go to the bank that they have their checking or savings account with. Um, so I think, you know, I, I witnessed that personally um, as an experience and my take on it um, uh, was that they were selling their own products, which is, understandable they're an employee of the bank they're not going to tell you that you know go down the road and get a better product here um so th that that's certainly an option uh then then um uh, i've got some mates who uh have financial planning firms and they charge fixed fees so they don't get kickbacks and commissions and they just charge a fixed fee for for service um but my understanding is that um, they sort of target people with a bit higher net worth because it's just not worth it for them to do smaller things. So, you know, there are independent financial planners uh, and then I um, yeah, believe that there are larger organisations that, you know, offer things like robo-advice. Yeah. Maybe Ashwin can talk a bit more about that. I suppose there's a whole, whole range of um, 
options out there. I suppose the best um, view from my 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 experience is asking questions. So you know, asking what qualifications the advisor has, um, what what sort of clients do they have, what's their experiences, are they relatable to me, kind of thing. Yeah, relatable to you, but also you know, are they specialised in a t- typical area? Because you know, there are advisors that might specialise in dealing with medical needs so they understand a medical person's life and how that works or a health employee or etc so you know there is certain things around that and ages of their client base so they you know and themselves and how they can relate to you that doesn't navigate either way with it but it's worth asking those sort of questions so you have an understanding um I, I think there's a big common misconception as well that financial advisors are there just to help you manage your own money, but they're also there to help you with things like insurance and personal disability yeah. and that sort of F- stuff, right? Financial advice is very broad. Like mm. There's a lot of things and a lot of areas that they'll cover in what they call a statement of advice if you do engage a financial advisor to cover off on all those things. So you want to make sure you give as much information when you do meet a financial advisor, but also ask plenty of questions so right. you understand understand them. So. You know, ask them how they how they manage your money. So, what things will they do? How often you're going to see them? Is their cost fixed, like you, you alluded to, or is it based on you know number of meetings or what, what's in their schedule? How do you receive the information? Is it emailed? Is it phone calls? Is it face to face? You know, make it all clear um, on how they communicate to you and how they manage your money. Um, and those are all great questions to sit down um, and ask and, and meet multiple people. You know, like mm. we've sort of said in earlier podcasts, for most people this is either their biggest or their second biggest asset that they have. You want to take time and make sure you've got yeah, the right find person. the right one. And, you know, it's nothing wrong with even asking in that meeting, how would we end our relationship if it doesn't work? Yeah. What's your complaint process? Ask all of those sort of That's things. That's a good question to ask. Yeah. You know, it's early on and they go, well, this is how we handle a complaint. Oh, great. Cool. You've got a process. You've got a procedure. Um, and this is, this is how it would be handled. Because mm. most people don't envisage having problems, but you might. And you've mm. been very clear and you understand it. Um, so I think that's that's the side of it. I think since the Royal Commission, uh, the cost of advice has gone up. And I think that's inherently because costs have been passed on to advisors. But, you know, I don't, I'm not in the industry um, specifically anymore, so I don't understand it. But I, I would say that's um, from the articles I've read. I see mm. that. Seems so why, why did the Royal Commission come about in the first place? No, there was, there was poor experiences in right. in the industry um, and a whole bunch of changes have happened as a result of that. Um, and, you know, I think people's experiences weren't great. So yeah, it, it was done and, and I think good advisors are probably still staying. There's probably always in any industry, there's probably some people still sitting out there outside of it. But ask questions, have your reviews regularly, understand what's going on with your own affairs and and. and be aware. Um, I think that's the biggest thing you can do. So it's kind of fair to say that the um, the product offering and the customer service should be getting better thanks to the Royal Commission. Oh, you, I would say it has, um, mm. but yes, it should should have definitely improved right. as a result of... So if I had a bad experience 10 years ago, may, maybe I could try again and, and maybe get a better experience now. Oh, there's no guarantees in life, no, but I, yeah, I, I would say... Should, should be in a key word, or might. Yeah, <laughs> I think asking all those questions, um, you know, reading the articles being prepared, mm-hmm. and and there are no silly questions, right? right. You, you go in there and and the law assumes you know less than the advisor in front of you. That's the reason for the statement of advice. That's why yeah. the documents are so big and, and detailed. It's so they try and encumber all your stuff in there. People will 
sometimes be scared of the fees mm. that get thrown in front of you. Um, but understand that's the cost of getting the advice. And like anything else, you know, if you're building a patio or you're, you know, doing some renos, you probably don't meet the first builder and sign the yeah. sign the contract. Meet a few, get the pricing, ask the same questions, get an understanding of what you're going to get and be comfortable with that process. Right. I think you did ask a question about robo um, advice. There has been a new, more cost-effective solution, but obviously not as thorough well, it could be less thorough than uh, seeing an advisor. It's it's robo advice. So effectively, you put the information of yourself into so robo uh, being a computer, computer. Right? Yeah. Uh, well, you haven't got the stage where robots coming to your office. Uh, <laughs> Not yet. Doing it yet? <laughs> or you know, Chat GPT might change things. Um, but you will have uh, an advice prepared to you in a robo statement. So effectively, you've inputted a lot of the information. An advisor might review things or might not be, but um, it's typically uh, very hands-off right. from an advisor process. But it will still give you a fundamental idea of where you're at um, with it. But, you know, I think that's that's probably the best, yeah, okay. best way to navigate through. But um, I would always err on the side of seeing an advisor than not um, because, you know, just like I wouldn't try and build uh, my own patio, um, you know, I might be able. <laughs> Some to, do. <laughs> I might be able to find a YouTube video on it, uh, and it might give me a bit of confidence. But um, soon as it, soon as it gets a oh, what do I do with a not straight wall? Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, what am I doing now? So, and I think my my personal experience of um, managing my own investments and super fund and so on is that there is a lot more to it than there looks on the surface yep. and a lot more rules and compliance and auditing and uh, I think unless you're really interested um, uh, and willing to learn and put the time into it, a uh, financial advisor, yes, they do charge a fee, um, probably have a faster, more, efi- more efficient, more effective way of doing it um, than you learning all on your own. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. That's I think the point of most service Providers, right? Yeah, yeah. Most people are providing a service to save you time. Mm. Um, yeah, it comes at a cost of money. That's usually <laughs> how we transact in the world. Is that how the world no, works? It, it yeah. Is, okay. I, I, <laughs> you give me something, I pay money. Okay, got it. There's been times <laughs> when that hasn't occurred, and you might not have got the service. But that, you know, that's why you ask about the complaint resolution process yeah, and, and, for and end, ending. Yeah. <laughs> um, but look, I think as a whole. It's very hard to pay the whole industry in a certain light because there's always people um, that are wrong. I think the Royal Commission pointed there was there was a, a systematic issue in the industry. Hopefully, it gets better. But the best way to protect yourself and ask is ask questions and meet the yeah. advisors um, and, and get get information because you want that relationship long term. There's no one that can provide you a financial advice plan now that's set for you forever and a day you know yeah. it's usually regular it's reviewed it's going to be holistic those are all the things you i would want in an advisor for me um is is they're taking in my situation i'm giving them as all the information in front of them so they can navigate me best i right. can so cool yeah now so i'm looking for one Okay. You're looking for an advisor? Oh. Where, where do I start? Or a date or what? Uh, <laughs> probably not a great question asking the meeting. Uh, but where do you start? Well, um, is, it, is it Google? Is it Yeah, well, I'll tell, I'll tell you how I would do it. I'm a, I'm a digital marketing person. I, I live on the internet most of the day. My, my first first point of... Dark web? Is that what you're doing? Well, you've got to get to the dark web first. That's a whole other podcast. Um, the, uh, yeah... I mean, Google is the obvious one, right? And you type in financial advisor. Um, uh, from someone who who helps c- 
companies rank in Google. Uh, try and use um, some better words or some um, more specific words than just financial advisor because um, if you're trying to look for a human, um, you try and look for someone that you're relatable to. Uh, perhaps, you know, you want someone who's local. Maybe you don't want someone who's local. You know, a lot of people would prefer that they know that they're going to use the, the guy that lives down the road. Uh, other, other people don't want that person to be a close network, so they may look for someone in Sydney or Melbourne or, you know, someone like that. Um, <clears throat> I think Google has done a really good job in the last four to five years on, let's call it, cleaning up the internet through reviews. You know, 10 years ago, I could make a website. I could say I was a financial advisor. I could put my phone number on there and you wouldn't know any different. Um, now, you you know, reviews are important. They rank. So, you know, read the reviews. Um, uh, always remember as well that reviews are usually either super positive or super negative. There's never really sort of a middle, middle ground. People either go one star, terrible, or they go five star, amazing. Uh, and quite often you can sort of read a one-star review and realise that something went wrong and, you know, maybe it wasn't so bad. Uh, um, so, yeah, read the reviews. And, and I think the most important thing is get a couple of different quotes. You know, if you think that you want this, go and speak to four, five, six different people. I mean, it's going to take a bit of time. Yeah. But as Ashwin said, um, you know, it's probably your largest, you know, non non-house asset. Yeah probably should put the effort in to meet with a few people, make sure you get along, make sure you trust them, make sure they're not going to go out of business next week. Yeah, you know, do they have uh, interest in the same sort of things that you're interested in? Um, you know, if, you, if you're really into wine and you want to, you know, invest in wine, maybe you should be uh, engaging a financial advisor that also likes wine, you know. <laughs> um, you know, it, it yeah. helps when people know what they're yeah. – it, it's a bit like asking the electrician to do your plumbing or the plumber to do your electrical. You know, you probably wouldn't, so – you know, why, why ask um, your financial advisor to, you know, invest in something they don't believe in or they, they don't support, you know. I'm sure um, crypto would create a whole heap of uh, divides between financial advisors that support crypto investment financial advisors that poo-poo uh, crypto investments. Um, so, yeah, um, I think that's probably pretty important. Uh, and then, of course, you've got, you know, the uh, age-old ask your mates kind of thing. Yeah, um, I, think, I think, yeah, mates are... Referrals by mates can be helpful uh, because at least it's someone you trust that's referred it through. Um, I'm probably more on the mate side of things than probably trusting uh, the full search engine because you know someone could be paying or you know paying Absolutely. the everything to rank themselves up there, mm -hmm. and that, that that's great for them. And uh, but even if I went down that process, it's the face to face meeting. Understand the person you meet in that meeting, asking if they're your advisor, if it's someone else in yeah. their team, being very clear with who's who's looking after your affairs. And um, you can also check the financial uh, advisor's uh, register, see oh, where okay. that works. Where, where, where's that? How do I get to that? Uh, it, you can go to the Money Smart website and find it in there, or you can actually Google. Right. Google. That's okay to Google. Fin yeah. Financial services. So uh, moneysmart.gov.au. Great, great. Financial services. Financial Money Smart's got a whole section on asking financial advisor questions right. and going through that. Great, great tool. Um, great guide to, you know, what information you should prepare, what sort of information you should look for in a statement of advice. It's a really great resource. Um, yeah, okay. That the government's actually put a lot of money behind. But surprisingly, I don't know how many people utilise yeah, it. Yeah. So any chance of getting a plug it, great time to yeah. have a look there. So just to be clear, that's moneysmart.gov.au. Um, yeah. We may find a link on our SMSF Mate website somewhere. Um, have a, check it out. Um, but yeah, I think 
feedback from friends is is useful, but then it's only your own experiences. So ask and find out more. Mm. Um, I doesn't. I would if they put investments that they don't um, believe in. That really doesn't make much sense. But it, it'd be asking your strategy might be very different to them. Mm. You know, some people would ask an advisor, well, "What are you? Where's your money in?" You know, well, the advisor might be twenty five or versus you who's 40 and two kids your, your risk profiles yeah. and what you're trying to achieve are very different so copying what your financial advisor is doing is not always probably credit deal <laughs> suits whatever your situation is and where you are in life so um, and i think something you've said before many times is sit down with your family and talk about yeah. money you know to, to you know what you you may want may be different to your family or your you know partners you know and then of course if, if you have children then you need to think about what their future looks like. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and when you're having these advisor meetings, if, you, if you're in a couple, it shouldn't be just one person there. It should be both of you mm. there. Um, you know, if you're not financially illiterate, ask questions or we can yeah. find out how to read Don't be things. embarrassed. Don't be embarrassed. Like, it's your money. You're paying a fee. You want to understand it. So, um, And if I'll, you really, really, really want to spend some time, go and check out the SMSF Mate glossary, yes. uh, which is – hundreds of pages of uh, terminologies that we've carefully uh, uh, slogged over. So, uh, But it's, it's a really great summary of all the sort of terms that people might throw around. And, yeah. you know, uh, of course that's free. You don't have to pay anyone to, to read that. No. Um, no. We all have self-managed super funds in the room. Tick. Um, do we need advice for our SMSF or uh, financial advice within the SMSF space? Uh, and what are your thoughts well, on Well, my personal opinion is I uh, ventured down the road of um, reviewing my super and thought, right, I'll, I'll do it properly. I'll go speak to a financial advisor. Got some very bad feelings about the whole thing and decided that I wasn't comfortable with uh, those what those people were telling me. Um, and I decided to do it on my own. Um, and the reason... I did it on my own was I'm self-employed anyway, always have been. We've got a family trust and some companies. And so I kind of probably had a more of a head start than most because I understood probably some of the tax benefits a bit better than most and some of the ways to manage money and, and whatever. Uh, so me personally, I was I was confident enough that I could choose things – yeah, and understand risk and uh, things that um, uh, were not bets. You know, I, I often see <laughs> my, my pet hate is watching people at the casino put their weekly salary down on the roulette table without realising that they've paid for the casino to be built. Um, you know, where does that money come from? The only place it comes from is from people losing money on the table. So um, if you think about the share market, it, it, it's effectively – you're playing against each other, uh, and then, yeah, all right. There's a there's a little guy in the middle called the casino uh, or the broker that takes a slice, but it's it's there's no double zeros or zeros in the, in the in the in the share market. So so your probability of winning is usually higher. Um, uh, and you know if you if you think about a um, uh, a company, uh, generally a, a business needs to make money, um, and so uh, it's within everybody's interest, the shareholders and the people who are um, managing that business to make money over time. So, so you know, in theory, in, in average, most companies, unless they run into some, you know, t 
tough times or affected should make money over time because you know that's why they started out in the first place um and so if you have enough of those companies spread with enough of those people um you know trying to make some money and grow the shareholders value and all that then it's my belief that over time you will do okay um so i spent a lot of time playing in in a spreadsheet um and uh, being self-employed, I understand how to read a profit and loss and a balance sheet and I um, pulled a lot of that information together uh, and then ranked all these companies that I liked and then made a list of 100 or so uh, and then uh, uh, refined them by um, how much their share prices were because uh, one thing is you can look for a good company uh, that you you know you understand and you know whatever uh but then then uh is are they asking too much for it it's like if i said tomatoes are 50 bucks a kilo no one would buy them if tomatoes are a dollar a kilo you'd buy bagfuls. so you know ba- basic idea if you like tomatoes and you know the rough price is about five dollars a kilo then if they're on sale at one dollar a kilo then you should buy them um so basic basic idea um was look at the average price of some of these stocks over five years um, put a you know uh, an average line on them, and then um, <clears throat> if if they came below that line, sort of give me an alert, and then I think about buying them. So that that was the basic idea. Um, turned out that um, through COVID, that that idea worked really well for me um, because a lot of people were throwing their stocks away, and I picked up some really amazing companies, you know, major banks and you know uh, major airlines and things that were just you know, being given away um, and they triggered my orders and that was it really. It's not, not rocket science. I didn't try and sort of, you know, cherry pick an idea or anything. It, it's, well, I think in our super fund we've got, you know, a couple hundred different stocks but it took quite a lot of effort to sort of refine and find and think. But that, I'm interested in that and yeah. my, my wife has no interest in it at all as long as it goes up in value. Uh, <laughs> so, so so she has an inherent trust that I think I know what I'm doing, but I, I often check against, uh, uh, check our super fund's performance against what the our old super fund was doing, which wasn't managed by us, and I'm doing better than them. So as long as I'm doing better than them, I'll keep doing it. There's my long-winded answer. Right, you'll hear in next year when it all goes to shit. <laughs> we'll, we'll do a podcast update. But yeah, I think um, to answer the question, um, yeah, me personally, I am interested. I'm good at spreadsheets. I, I'm self-employed. I understand profit and loss. I understand how to you know read things. Um, I think you know if I w- didn't know any of that, um, it would be quite difficult and time-consuming for you to get into it. Um, and I think you could easily do a trial run on your own for a couple of years and run a you know a pretend fund in mm. a spreadsheet even doesn't have to be a complicated yeah. online thing i think the asx is you do a shareholder game or something yeah right like like like, like do the game and and see if you can outbeat your super fund you know and if if you can't then you know why are you bothering um if, if that's if that's your reason anyway yeah um I think um, if, if you're playing the listed game and other things like that, there's there could be other vehicles to um, achieve that. Um, for me, the self-managed part though is more to invest in unlisted um, investments. Yeah. So stocks. And, well, and just explain what you mean by that. So startups that before they become on the ASX um, or um, commercial property, direct commercial property, I couldn't invest in through. Um, uh, a normal fund, yeah, right. So whether whether it was an industry or a managed fund, I couldn't have that option. So that was why I went down the route. But you know, we, we've got our 
uh, who you talk about life uh, situations and things like that. We've got our third child coming in May, um, and I don't think I'll have the time capacity potentially to manage the investments mm. over the next two years. Yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll just throw in that I did all of that before I had a kid. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So fully so, support so Ashwin's time I've issues. I've got two. We've got a new one coming, and I'm pretty sure I won't have sleep. Um, <laughs> and and I'll have to just focus on work and other things around it. So the, the time associated for that will be limited. So I I will likely, uh, you know, it's obviously future future Ashwin's decision after we have kid in May. But I, I might uh, engage a financial advisor just to. Shore up quite a few things in the fund, so just double check our insurance needs because now there's a third kid to support from start to scratch. Mm. Um, go through um, our wills and stuff and make sure all that's up to date and then go through all the um, investments and see if it's still lining up to um, now extending my retirement date um, out. <laughs> so, you know, a few things like that. So when it comes to those sort of situations, I'll, I'll be more than happy to engage an advisor uh, because I don't have the bandwidth um, mm. to, to sit there and, and do do the strategy um, to that level. Um, and, and that's that's probably the key thing, I think. It is time-consuming. Like, like yeah. I, I spent, de- like, days of hours, like, like yeah. probably not 100 hours, but hours and hours and hours and hours on that in that spreadsheet. Uh, and there's some other costs, you know. There's other costs that you might not think about, like the software that you might need or the subscriptions or for me to get all that information in the first place, how to buy the information. So so all of that is a cost yep. that, you know, if you've got $100,000 in your super fund and you spend $1,000 on fee on, on, on services and spreadsheets yeah. and whatever. That's, and that's still one percent. And that's not counting your team no, time. No, right? and time is irrelevant, right? Um Yeah. So I think it's it's a mix, right? If you've got the time capacity and the confidence and you and you and you're keeping the eye on it and all the rest of it and you you're comfortable, then yeah, look you manage yeah. yourself. If you're not, there's nothing wrong with having an advisor within a self managed super fund. There you know, yeah. the advisors are there for advice. So um when you need it, you, you should reach out. So Gareth, I'm hearing no. What do was the question again? <laughs> <laughs> do you do you need one? Well, well, me personally, I don't think I need one yep. because so I'm I'm fairly confident and and so far, touch wood, so good. I seem to be doing okay. Um, that's on the investment side. What about other other parts? Yeah, okay. Um, Have so you done the estates planning. Yeah, and all the rest so of that? so the estate planning and the insurance thing. Um, uh, unfortunately, again, I had a pretty bad experience with a um, financial advisor about five years ago. Uh, where he asked me a whole heap of questions and filled in a spreadsheet um, and was trying to talk me into um, life insurance um, and TPD, which is total permanent disability. Um, and the um – sorry, I might have to do that again because I could feel that vibrating. That's, that's right. Um, you want to get a question again or just start? No, no, keep rolling. Uh, yeah, so me, me personally, no, I don't think um, – I, I, I wanted one um, and – the insurance side of things, I had a really bad experience uh, with a financial advisor about five years ago uh, where um, I thought, oh, I probably need to check my insurance, as you said. Um, uh, he sat with me and asked me a heap of questions and I've got a very, let's call it safe job. I sit behind a computer most of the day. The, about the most complicated thing that could happen to me is I could burn my hands with coffee or something. You know, I don't work outside. Um, you know. you've, got, you've, got a, you've got a daughter now, right? Yeah, but yeah, hang on. Yeah, I'll, get, I'll get to the daughter. Um, and my wife also, her, her, her job is fairly, let's call it safe. So, so we're not in the falling off roofs kind of business. You know, we're not going to drown. Touch you wood. Know, touch wood. Uh, or at work, right? So our work is fairly safe um we both have um a fairly high paying 
uh, incomes. So one of us is not dependent on the other for work. So that's a really important thing. If you if there's one of you who who you know, earns all the money and the other the other the other can't. Um, then, then you know, one one person is a lot more dependent for the other. Uh, but both my wife and I both can earn uh, relatively high incomes. Um, so if one of us is out of work, the other can support the other. And if one of us was to die, the other one can earn relatively high and pay mortgages. So, so that was that sort of tick box for us. And then the other thing, and this is a bit that really pissed me off, <laughs> was that the financial advisor that I, and I can vividly remember sitting there in his spreadsheet, and he summed up all of our, you know, assets and whatever. And he said, oh, how much money do you want your insurance? And I was like, well, how much do I need, you know? And he's like, oh, well, based on what you've said, it, it should be this much. And I was like, okay, well, to have insurance for that much, how much do I have to pay? And it was something like 20 grand a year. And I was like, nah, like there's something's not right here. You, so you and, and he was frothing at the bit to sell it to me because he, I think they get a hundred percent of the fee in the first year. So if I pay, if I sign up for this insurance policy, th- that financial advisor, I think was going to get a hundred percent of that as a thank you commission from the insurer. Uh, and that to me just, just was like a no, a no, no. Um, and then, so I questioned the guy and said, you know, well, let's just ratchet it down a bit. And I just felt really uncomfortable about the whole thing. And, and I felt like I was being sold um, uh, and I left. Um, and then I did some more in, uh, research on it and then realized that, you know, insurance is effectively there um, or life insurance particularly uh, is there to effectively pay out your debts if you um, if you die so that if you've got kids or dependents they've got you know they can live but if you've got money and you your your assets are more than your liabilities and you were to sell everything that you owned and you could buy a house and you could put the money in the bank and the and your your daughter or whatever could live for 20 years you don't need it so no one ever told Tells you that bit. Well, in my, in my experience. I was about to say, yeah. That, that. So this is Ashwin about to tell me I can't say any of this. <laughs> no, no. It's, it's how, you, how you experienced <laughs> it. Yeah. Um, so I think it's fairly standard for, for that commission structure. It's probably changed since since you had that meeting, mm. but it's probably somewhat similar. Um, but it's, so, a, it's a needs, right? It, it, it is that needs discussion. So so 20 grand per year for the for the premium and the and the advisor gets 20 grand up front yeah, first year yeah, yeah. yeah but if you change insurances there's callbacks and all the rest around it but it's more so think about it from this point of view um there is said to be an argument that obviously when there's a claim, they handle that. There's no cost. Sure. Right. Um, but there might not be a claim and all the rest around it. So that there are different remuneration models um, around there and, and you talk to your advisor around it. But I think probably from what Gareth's explained, maybe it wasn't explained to him his needs and the calculation model of how they did the insurance or if they did do it properly and everything else like that. Because for me, that's probably the biggest thing that keeps me up and, you know, our circumstances are different from, you know, mm. earning capacity and things like that. But I always play around with the situation. We've got kids now. If something was to happen to our kids. We've got, got three of them to pay for. Got three I've, of only them. Got, I've only got one. Two, two. <laughs> second one will be in school, well, part-time next year. Mm. But I would stop work. Regardless of my earning capacity, if I've got a dependent child at home, I'm not working for five yeah, years. sure. Mm. So there goes five years of income. Mm-hmm. Plus the debts on the house, yeah, to, for that period of time, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So all of a sudden, my insurance premium is X, 
But it might only be for a short period of time. Yeah. It's when the risk is real. You, I, you adjust it. Down. I think, you know, looking back and hearing you there, is, is what was missing in that meeting is there, there's marketing of, like, fear-mongering. It's, it's like you think you need it, and they're very quick to – well, the, this particular person was very quick to try and sign me up because they get paid a percentage, yeah. effectively, of how much you want to take. Yeah. But what they really should have done, which is one of the reasons why we started this website in the first place – is ask the questions and make sure you understand what it is that it, that life insurance pays for, and and then is it important for you? Like like you were saying, yeah. how many kids have you got? Do you know? Has, have, have you got a partner who can earn? Do you have a business that can support you if you're not there? You know, it, there, there should be, in my opinion, a whole heap of qualifying questions, and, and some financial advisors probably do and do that. that. And that, that's where it um, is, right? It's that statement of advice. So in that meeting when you have with a client or you're asking for that advice, you lay down everything. Yeah. All right? Because then, then it's the consideration of all of those things the in the picture. Mm. Yeah, because if they don't know it or they don't understand it, the advice is incomplete on yeah. your end and, and vice versa. So. Arm yourself with everything you know in front of it, and that—that's why for me, the advisor that did did do our insurances last um, understood exactly mm. what the circumstances were. So we went through the business. What would happen to the business if yeah. I passed away? So there's an insurance policy for me in there, so the other business partner can buy me out. Because heaven forbid, Jody goes in as an accountant, so you know that'll <laughs> get that to get sorted. That money will go to her. Judging by your reduce. facial expressions, that's a bad idea. No, no, <laughs> pretty, pretty not great. Um, and it'll go through that process of, okay, that's all our funds. Have we got enough yeah, insurance? Can you can you do it? Mm. Um, now, we're probably slightly over-insured maybe, but it's probably in line with what I was planning to do, except the only change that's happened is because of this third kid, we're probably going to extend the insurance at this level. Yeah. For another, so that's a really years. good point that you said. You don't, if you take out insurance, I'm 36. You can stop it at 40 or stop it at 50 or whatever, yeah. you know. So, so you don't have to take it out for forever. But you know, I, 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 I when I was told this 20 grand number, yeah, I was like 20 grand times 20 years. That's like four million dollars uh, or something, uh, or four, uh, 400 grand. And, and that's where you, numbers. that's where you want to double check what all those premiums were. You ran through yeah. the different types of insurance. So trauma could be really expensive. Life uh, Income protection yeah. is probably fairly expensive depending on your level of cover. The life and the TPD are probably the cheapest of the insurance. Obviously, mm. you know, I don't know your family history and things like that. Mm. But they're less likely to happen um, before you're 65. So you're likely to have a really reasonable premium mm. for those two insurances. Yeah. And they're probably the two that probably scare you the most. Yeah, well, potential. Just, right? Yeah, so right. I think it's having that discussion, ha- having now and understood it all and understand what moves those needles. Yeah, um, the thing I, that, I would say get the insurance. You got a kid. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, well, you know, or uh, review it at least. Yeah. So, <laughs> thank you for joining us once again. If you're interested in our waffle about self-managed super funds, feel free to join us on smsfmate.com.au or search SMSFMate in Spotify.